Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. And thank you to our 175 YouTube subscribers. If you'd like to leave us a comment or a question below, we always answer each and every one. If you're listening on the audio version, could you give us a follow and a review on there? It really helps us out. Even if you are watching on YouTube, if you go and listen to 30 seconds of the audio version, that shows up in the metrics for us and it's all good. Uh, We'll be forever grateful to you. And if you want to get an email every time we drop a new piece of content, you can sign up to our Substack completely for free. Just put in your email address and there'll be something in your inbox every time we put out something new. Now that that's out of the way, we are delighted to introduce our guest for the week, all the way from Bloemfontein, South Africa. Jade, how are things? Yeah, all good, guys. Thanks for inviting me onto the Pirate Spot. I've been watching you and listening to you so weekly, you know, ever since you did that infamous Fiji scoop. This group has got my attention. <laughs> good to hear, mate. Good to hear. It's great to have you on. Yeah. Yeah, so people who don't know Jay, Jay does the Scoop um, uh, show with us that we do on Sundays on Twitter, which is a great show. Shout out Scoop if you're listening. We will have you on as well one day, mate. But yeah, um, let's go straight into our Robbie moments of the week. So Ender, do you have your moment? Yeah, just one that caught my eye um, this weekend was definitely Keen Healy's Instagram post. Um, yeah, it's it's just incredible to see um, that he's back from injury. This is not the first time um, he's done this. Like he was supposed to be ruled out, I think, for about five to six weeks. And he's already back and it's been confirmed that he is on standby. Um, so if there is an injury in the front row, he will be um, he will be called up. Um it's just incredible, really, because like the Instagram post that he put up, you could really see that he was testing it and um, his injury and he, he seemed to have no kind of long standing issues because of it. And like this guy has been through a lot and um, he's past 35 now and he is a player that at one stage his neck injury was so bad that, you know, there was the option of potentially um, retiring. But he came back from that injury and he seems to be even better um, than he was before the injury. So it's just another Typical example of him and his professional, um, just how professional he is. And, and it's just great to see him back. I think it's important for Ireland as well, um, especially knowing the fact that, you know, Porter did put in, I think, over 70 minutes um, against the box. So we do need to have that back up with the prison injury. So it's just great to, to see him back, really. What about yourself, Hugh? So uh, my moment of the week is Pat Pellegrini, Coventry's own Pat Pellegrini, scoring a try uh, against the box for Tonga. You think, how's a guy called Pat Pellegrini Tongan? You think, how's a guy from Coventry at the World Cup? Uh, but Coventry have been going really well so far in the English Premiership Cup. Obviously, I think they beat and drew uh, Premiership level opposition. And I'm I'm thinking about getting myself a, a Coventry season ticket. They're only 10 minutes down the road from me. I'm wearing today my, my Warwick University hoodie, but Warwick University is famously not in Warwick. It is in Coventry. And I also went to Cov Uni for my undergrad. So, uh, yeah, I'm counting it as a very personal win for me, seeing that the, as soon as the ball bounced, I was like, he's in, he's in. Anyway, uh, Jade, how about you, mate? Have you got a moment? 
Yeah, so this week hasn't really been, you know, a lot of moments compared to the previous week, but I think I'll give it to Tonga for getting a scrum penalty against the box on the box ball. It's kind of unheard of <laughs> in today's rugby, but yeah, it's, you know, it was actually for an island team to actually get a scrum penalty. And I think they only got penalised once at scrum time in the game yesterday. So I'll give it to the Tonkin scrum uh, and especially that moment where they got a scrum penalty against the box on their ball. Um, you know, we can interpret the laws, but <laughs> they got the penalty. Hey, they got it. Hey, Razzy, Razzy's <laughs> holding up the traffic lights. He's like, red, red. <laughs> get the bomb squad on, get them on. Anyway, um, speaking of that then, so let's start with the box then. So the news that's come out today is that Lacanio Am is back and back. Uh, do we think, well, he's first of all, he's replacing another forward injury, I think. Who's he replacing that, that's come no, out? No, he's Pimpy. Oh, it was Mpimpi. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so he's replaced Mpimpi. So Razzie's strategy and Jack's strategy of replacing players with players not from their position continues. But the, the box midfield has been going quite well so far this World Cup. Do Jade, what do you make of it, mate? Do you think he's going to get back into the starting 15? Sure, guys, he, a guy like Andre Esterhazen doesn't even make the box starting team at 12, you know. Um, I mean, Jesse Creel and Damon Derlander has done been perfect. I mean, just a few weeks ago, Damon Derlander was the man of the match or from the African perspective against uh, Ireland. So I think 12 was certain on. And for me, Jesse Creel's come on, has been one of the most underrated players in the team. Now, you can't deny Arms being world class. I mean, if he hadn't been injured last year, he would have been ILB Player of the Year. I mean, if he had played the back end, this he would have most probably been the ILB Player of the Year. Um, unfortunately, he did do his knee, and he hasn't been the same. You know, this year hasn't been the same compared to last year and compared to the British Lions store as well. So it's difficult. Um, I mean, Rassi didn't have a plan that I would be available for the quarterfinals. He planned that come quarterfinal time, JC Crew will be my third team. And if not, then it'll be Kane and Moody. He didn't plan Mapimbi's injury, especially, you know, what happened yesterday. He was a knock to the jaw, he fractured his jaw. So for me, I don't see him coming into the team, but I do see him being a very good part of the team as he'll be a very good, that they call it a training squad member. You know, um, he'll be a very good in terms of that. And also, remember, with Sia Kulisi looking at maybe retiring in the year, there's big talk of Am being the guy to take over from him. So, I mean, if you remember and you go back to 2021 with the Lions tour, the unofficial test match where um, yeah. Kulisi had covered, Am was the captain of that team. So, he is a leader. Um, he is a quick chance that he would be the next Plimbo captain. Maybe it's a bit has something to say about it as well. But um, I think it's a good, you know, Previous World Cup winner, um, a leader to have in the team. He hasn't been playing his best rugby this year, we have to be honest. Um, on form, maybe Jesse Grill is the guy, but I mean, what a guy to have into your squad, you know, experience, a good guy to have into your training team. Um, I don't think he walks into a squad. I don't think so. I think they maybe even look at having Kane and Moody ahead of him as well, um, depending on his form, you know. It's quite difficult to get a guy that's been injured and thrown into a deep end against Fico um, in the World Cup quarterfinal. Oh, yeah, well. Maybe the simple thing would be to, to stick with Jesse Crew. And it's very, I found it very noticeable as well. I think you're right, Jade, in terms of his form um, not being there maybe since that knee injury. And I always noticed that it was heavy, it's been heavily strapped all season, really. 
Um, so I wonder was there kind of more to that? And was he was he was he basically carrying that injury and just kind of getting through it? Um, you often hear former players come out and say like every player like has a has a niggle going into a game. They're never ever completely and utterly uh, fully mm. fit. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I I love him. I think he's a really skillful player. Um, he never seems to lose his head or anything like that as well. And yeah, I think on form you probably would have him uh, you know ahead of Creel. Well, I would anyway, but. Yeah, let's hope he can play himself back into forming and gets a good bit of a good bit of game time. I don't yeah. think he's going to get any game time. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because of how the box do their bench, you're either in the starting fifteen or you're not playing if you're a back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I agree. I think he's probably more likely to be there for the environment. I don't think that at this stage you can go and start messing with your team, but he does have that experience. Speaking of someone else who's got experience. Andre Pollard was back and he was kicking his goals against uh, Tonga at the weekend. What do we think, guys? Do I'll end, I'll start with you this time, mate. Has Andre Pollard done enough to take the 10 jersey off Mane Leboc? I, I, it's a really difficult question. Um, like Leboc, I'm just such a big fan. I hate to say that Pollard should start ahead of him, uh, ahead of him sorry, but. His kicking wasn't up to standard against Ireland. Um, is Pollard fully fit? Well, he, he he did pretty well in the weekend, did he? Now, we, obviously, we have to factor in the opposition, but it was Tonga there, big boys. So, like, and and I think what, what's important to remember as well is before, when you remember, I'm sure you guys remember when the World Cup squad was announced, it was quite a shock that Pollard wasn't maybe in because he was, like, he was over his injury, but he's kind of still getting through his rehab. So, Basically, I think reading through the lines, they could they could have picked him, but they didn't. And now it seems he is fully fit. And um, I yeah, I think maybe I think I probably would go with him. Um, just strictly based on on the box form from the tee, you have to have if you're going to play this tight game and and where you're not going to be running in potentially a lot of tries and 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 you do take your you know if you are going to go for posts, you need to have a, a kicker. Who's got higher stats than Nibok, I think, um, unfortunately to, to say, but um for me I, I probably would um go with Pollard. Uh and I know I mentioned this before, I think um on Scoop's space, but I think Libok would be a really good impact um player, like especially if you're chasing a game. But I think it was um who was it on the pod who basically called out that he'd never actually make the squad like he wouldn't be on the bench because of the seven one split or because of the six two split or whatnot. Um, but I wonder if that's something they might look at, you know, starting Pollard and having Libok um, on the bench, because I do think he is an X-Factor player. Um, and I do have to call out as well that he did come on in the weekend. He did bloody well nail his kicks as well. So fair play to him. He obviously has that that talent in him, doesn't he? But it's just for me, he is just that that bit inconsistent. I don't know, Jade, what about, what about yourself? What do you think? For me, no, I've gone... I can't go against my word and back the buckle season and come crunch time of the World Cup, you know, turning your back on the guy and saying, listen, you're missing a few crunch kicks, you're not good enough. I mean, if you're going based on yesterday's performance and you're stating that Pollard kicked all his kicks, so did Lebok from tougher positions. So maybe the pressure element comes into it as well. Maybe it was the pressure game. It wasn't really pressure kicks to win a game. So that did play its part. Um, I did mention it a few times before that, remember, to, um, Pollard is not a Lee of Benny or you know, he's not a Melvin Germanet. He's not a 95% goal kicker. Um, I wouldn't rate him in that. Maybe similar to 
Ricky Mwanga, you know, a similar that kind of way, 85%. Um, and the book is a little bit less than that. So for me, the guy has won the World Cup before at 10. Um, he does have that experience, but I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know, to just to cut on the book. Um, the sensible thing would be as to to have the book as a backup, but is there space him on the bench? <laughs> I don't know, you know, do you not go with Willie LaRue then? Do you rate Le Boc above Willie LaRue? You know, LaRue has been Rassi Rasmus's guy, you know, he's been, he's called the, the Sis King in South Africa, that's his nickname in South Africa, so um, most likely you'll be looking at having Corbus Reinach um, and the bench with a 6-2 split and then another back, so either Willie LaRue, Le Boc or Pollard, so that would be the, the bench. Um, Pollard can cover 12, so at least it's, you know, Damon Willems can cover 12 as well. However, I don't know what Rassi would do. Maybe um, if Pollard is fit and he's taking the knocks, he's training well, um, Rassi would start with Pollard and the Bok on the bench, you know, and then drop for the rule. Um, that would be also something that, I don't know, does he really want to drop for the rule, you know, uh, if you're doing that? Because if you're also looking at it with a 6-2 split, you're going to have to um, look at Quaker Smith on the bench, um, most likely, and then your two locks, you know, um, Klein and uh, Erich Sneijman. That's the way they've been going. So there's no space for doing for Mielin <laughs> if Jasper Visa starts today. You know, that's, 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 so you're looking at your experience as well, coming on from the bench, you know, killing a game, closing a game yeah. down. Um, with, with, Le, with Leroux and Duane from the bench, if you're down by 10 points against France, those are the guys you want on the field, you know, to trail you out to the game. So that's that for me is, you know, your pros and cons. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's, it's a close call, guys. But I back LeBoc all season and I can't turn my back on him. No? Yeah, I've been team LeBoc since since day one. So I can't I can't go back on myself either. I was one of the first people saying after the Ireland game, geez, if South Africa to kick their goals, then it, that's all they needed to, to win. But I can't, I can't go back on, on backing Leboc now. Uh, I think he is, especially with his relationship with Willemser and the way he is, he did the the Bok attack did take a step up when he came onto the pitch. Okay, Tonga were starting to tire at that point, but it did. And I think if you're Razi and your plan A was Leboc and we, you've decided I'm not picking Pollard, I'm going with Leboc. You got to back yourself. You got to stick to your guns and you got to go for it. And so I, I'd go with Leboc as well. But there are two teams in every game and we like to focus on the tier two side. So we just want to shout out as well. Tonga had their best game of the World Cup so far, comfortably for me. They scored uh, three tries. And Jade, we had a, a conversation on Twitter about how rarely that happens against uh, the Springboks. I think no team has ever scored four tries against the Springboks in a World Cup match, which is just insane. And it would have been... Imagine if Tonga had been the first team to do that. That would have just, that would have been phenomenal. But the guy that I want to shout out from Tonga is their captain. Doesn't He doesn't need me to shout him out, but uh, Tommy Afuna, Big Ben, what a legend this guy is. So he clearly, he captains with his heart. He seems to be a larger than life character. He's literally large, but I don't want to go on about that, but he's, he's pretty much the only tight head who is in uh, Antonio's uh, from France. He's the only tight head who's in that sort of size bracket. And Antonio is just a huge monster. So according to the internet, uh, Tommy Funa is 148 kgs. Uh, uh, also, I learned about him as well. So he scored two tries in, in the last two World Cup games. He had scored two tries for Tonga ever before this World Cup. 
So he's doubled his try tally for Tonga in these last two games. And his try against Scotland was just like, give me the ball and I'm getting over that try line. He went, it felt like, call it 50 metres. He ran from 50 metres. That's what I'm telling, telling people. I was in the stadium, so there. Um, he won the top 14 with Racing 92 when they won it a few years ago. And he's now with Bordeaux. So everyone on this podcast knows that we're massive top 14 fans. So we'll be, I'll be keeping an eye out for this guy for the rest of the top 14 season, definitely. I think he's uh, one of my favourite players and obviously got the clips of him changing tops with uh, Khaleesi at the end. And Khaleesi just seems to get, become more and more popular every day. Like I So, yeah, so that, that says something. But anyway, so that's that game. The next game... Uh, Even a fun fact on him. A fun fact on Ben. Yeah, go ahead. Then. He was a part of the 2011 All Black team with Bowden Barrett, Aaron Smith, Brody Retallick. So he was in that the team. Under 20s. Under 20s team. Yeah. He was in that team. And um, I think um, most people thought that, you know, he was maybe one that got away. Um, you know, he left the Chiefs at, I think it was 2014 or 15, he left the Chiefs. But um, he was also touted as, you know, one that got away. But it was a tough crowd at that time because he had the Franks brothers ahead of him. You know, um, he was never really going to get a gig yeah. um, in, in the All Black setup. But he was a part of that team, man. Much smaller at the time. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, he actually got stood down, according to what I was reading. I, d- I don't know if this is true, but the story is that Racing 92 stood him down at one point because he got up to 160 kgs. And they said, mate, uh, take some time off and sort yourself out. But like, like I said, he's just on top of the world at the moment, and I've loved watching it. Oh. <laughs> I guess the other the other game that we have to move on to is New Zealand versus Italy. Um, yeah, how did this happen? Uh, might start with you, Hugh. Like, where where did this performance or lack thereof from 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 Italy come from? It was a big shock. It was a big shock, and people were getting quite excited ahead of the game, saying, "Ah, oh, could Italy beat the All Blacks? Could it beat the All Blacks?" And I think that was a bit silly. I never really expected Italy to actually beat the All Blacks at a World Cup. But I expected a close game and I expected maybe Italy to give the All Blacks a bit of a wobble at some point. But from the Italy point of view, I I felt quite annoyed about it. And I'll tell you why. I've been sat here on this podcast on another podcast saying tier two nations, all they need is is more rugby. All they need to do is play the top teams more. Italy have been playing in the Six Nations for 23 seasons now. And they just had 96 put on them in a World Cup. And with Italy, it's just always like, when? When is it going to start going? And you can give me all the stats about how long it took France to win a Five Nations when they joined it and everything. But it's the professional era now. Benetton have been doing really, really well in the URC. And they've made a very deliberate development decision with Zebra to support that. And I, I'm not upset with Italy for losing the game, but you've got to be upset with the performance. And I didn't get to watch the whole thing live, but watching about the highlights, it was just a team absolutely completely quitting on a rugby pitch. And it's it's pretty unacceptable, really. And like I say, when I'm here backing out here backing tier two teams, if you're a tier one team and you're you're not turning up like that and you're getting 96 put on you, just for context, 14 man Namibia had 96 put on them by France. And Namibia had their second team out. Tonga had 102 put on them last year but or the year before, but that was basically a, a semi-professional, not, not even fully professionals, Tonga team. So that's the level of how bad this performance was. And it, I, I'm just shocked and frustrated because 
it it does it's not just them it, it kind of it makes rugby look bad that kind of performance i don't know jade am i being too harsh and from a from an all blacks no, point not, of view not you're not i know there was never from you could ask any all black supporter waking up on friday they were nervous um they were nervous with a lot of media build up to it could this be the day you know could it be the day that Italy beat New Zealand um, because everything was there for them. They weren't playing badly. Um, they were doing okay. It was a new Italy team with Kieran Crowley, who most people thought wouldn't be surprised if he was a part of Razor Robertson's setup next year in the All Blacks um, coaching staff. Most, most yeah. people thought that. You know, if he got the gig, um, he, he deserved it because I mean, what he did with Canada and then he came out to, to Italy is he's very highly rated in, in New Zealand. I mean, there was big calls for him to take over at the Blues um, with Leo McDonald leaving as well. So he's a highly rated coach, you know. Um, most people do think that he will be a part of the All Black team um, in the future. I'm not sure of the uh, Friday's game if that's still the case. But no, everybody was nervous. I also felt, oh, I don't know, everybody's asking me why are you nervous? And I'm like, it's Italy. Don't be nervous, but I said I just had this this gut feeling, and when the game started, it's like they they never stuck to the guns. They did everything that you know people told them don't do against New Zealand. They did it. Um, they kept the ball. They 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 never get a kicking game. They never kept New Zealand back. They weren't physical enough. You know they struggled at scrum time, at line out time. Made coach killing mistakes. I mean two five meter line out drives was easy pickings for Retallick and Fritzel. It wasn't even a hard line out to read, you know, it was an easy part for them to set up and jump. Um I really didn't expect it from them. I thought with Capuso, um Ioni, you know, KPC, all of those guys, they they really have something there. Um I was telling everybody this Italy team is different. But um I think they just had that phobia of playing the All Blacks and expecting yeah. to get a high link against them. And that's what happened, you know. They just they, they fell for the name instead of and gave the All Blacks too much respect. Yeah, I think the All Blacks still have that for some teams. I think Wales are, are one of those teams where yeah you you walk onto the pitch and you go, ah, oh, we always lose to these, so we're going to lose this. I think some teams have that with England as well, despite where England are. Some teams turn up at Twickenham and go, we we're not going to win this. So it, it was so disappointing for me. So disappointing. Yeah. Uh, one issue I just want to want to put to bed briefly, and I did mention this in the scoop, um, but for anyone who thinks Italy like that there's going to be a promotion or relegation into the introduced into the Six Nations, it's it's simply not going to happen. Um, I I kind of like everyone like we're all disappointed in in Italy's performance to date, and we like it is frustrating them seeing them not do well each season and each Six Nations particularly. But there's no way in hell the IRFU are going to vote to introduce um. Uh, promotion and relegation and risk um, being you know relegated down like it's it's just simply never going to happen and I think we just need to focus on Italy and, and, and the positives there and, and what we need to do to to help Italy improve but it's I just find it so boring listening to people saying you know the simplest fix is promotion and relegation like maybe it is but it's simply not going to happen if you understand how the Six Nations works um, yeah absolutely um, but then I guess moving on to, to the other game, maybe of the weekend, Australia and Portugal. Um, Portugal, the team of the group stage. What do you think, you? I think they've been the best watch. I think every single game they've played in has been very exciting. And I think they produced a magical moment in every single game that I think most rugby fans will remember. The question for me with, with Portugal, and I messaged our friend Francisco after the game so I'd get his thoughts on this, is I've, I've come out and said, 
I would rather play Warren Ball and win games 3-0 and win the game than play exciting rugby and lose. And this that's a debate that's gripped Wales forever is yes okay we're, we're doing well under Gatlin but we don't like the style of rugby and I, I don't agree with that but there are some people who feel very passionately no we're playing the game wrong and I put the question out for Portugal to start winning these games do they need to change how they play now first of all it's great that we're even having that conversation it's great that we're in a situation where Portugal have played Australia and we're saying why didn't they win this game that's amazing and no one would have predicted that before the World Cup so they deserve credit for that. But I just wonder, do Portugal need to become more conservative and stop doing this endless running rugby in order to win games? I don't know, Jade, what do you think, mate? Do you think they can win playing this style? Oh, you know, they are all, what? I wouldn't just call them a tier two team, a tier three team. I mean, nobody's really heard of them outside of the north. Um, before the World Cup. I mean, the first time Portugal caught my eye was that playoff against for the USA, that they made it. And But I mean, I saw them a few times on the seventh circuit as well. But if you're looking at the team where the foundations in international rugby is basically on the seventh circuit, you know, they have few, part of it, it's very difficult for you to tell those guys, listen, they play a more conservative game now, as you know, they, they, they most likely Portugal's next goal is to be to to be in the France uh, Olympics next season, the sevens, you know, maybe that's the next goal as a team. And there's a few guys that go into the seventh circuit now to to try and qualify for that, you know. So it's difficult to say, listen, let's play conservative rugby. If you're going to play conservative rugby also, and being a tier two nation, you're going to allow teams like Australia and, um, you know, Wales, the technique of those guys more experienced in tight, tight games, it's scrum time or, you know, it's rock time or mall time. That is where the technique and the experience comes in, you know, and they might just suffocate you even more. Um, it's very difficult to say, let's play a conservative game. I think I like what I saw from Portugal. Um, I really liked the, most probably was everybody's second team or third team maybe, but I think they just need to build on what they have and look at, you know, maybe improving at rock time, improving at more time, at scrum time, um, especially when they're going to play against the bigger guys and look for opportunities. I mean, Georgia got the opportunity now to join the, the Challenge Cup, the, the European Challenge Cup. Yeah, so it was right. an opportunity, especially with what's happening in England. You know, there might be another window opportunity. Put your hand up and say, well, let's get a Portugal club in there. You know, it, it's, it, it could happen. And that's the only way the game can go forward. The same with Uruguay and the same with Chile and those guys. It's the only way is to play more games in a professional environment in that kind of situations. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I hadn't thought about putting a Portuguese team into the Challenge Cup, but I guess that that is absolutely an option. If Black Line can do it, why not Portugal? I don't know. Ender, what do you think, mate? I should say that Francisco said that uh, he felt that Portugal just needed to be more patient. But how frustrating was it for you, mate, watching Portugal not capitalize on, on the opportunity that they had it's frustrating i think and i but i think like just back to maybe your question to jade about you know style of play i think if they should probably just stick to what they're doing but just maybe be that bit smarter like from a conic perspective like i've always been a conic fan and you know when when conic did win the whatever the urc was called back then i think it was the guinness the guinness pro 14 maybe at the time um when they won that, they they played a lovely brand of rugby and it was all about running rugby. Um, like it was crazy how, how often they did it and they really stuck to it and, and it paid off for them. 
Um, but then, of course, you know, Connacht haven't been anywhere close, unfortunately, since then t- to winning another URC. And I think part of that is to do with, with with the style of play. And you need to, I think, like this, like teams will easily figure you out. But I, I do think there's obviously space for this running rugby, but it just has to be, has to be balanced there with that, you know, just that maturity. Like what we've seen from, from maybe not Fiji on the weekend, but from previous Fiji games about knowing when to kick, knowing when not to run and just make those mature decisions. Um, it's not always on to run. And I think, and look, Portugal didn't do that every time. They didn't run absolutely everything, but I just think that's, that's the balance I think they need to find, uh, knowing when to play conservatively and knowing, knowing when to, to, to throw the ball and, and who they can do that against as well. Um, but yeah, look, I think they've been a breath of fresh air, haven't they? They've been enjoyable to watch. Um, and look at the the, the score in the end. Wasn't they, they weren't? Yeah, they weren't that far off, were they? No. Um, yeah, they were pretty similar. I, I tweeted out that it was similar to the Australia A game. Um, that they played uh, yeah. back in August. Now that that was a, it started off as a bit of a dig at Eddie Jones. To, well, I'm going to be honest, but uh, the more I thought about it, the more I realised how much of a praise of Portugal that that was, because that Australia A team was full of very very good players who arguably should have been in Australia's World Cup team, and they've shown that they can repeatedly play against Tier One level opposition and make a contest of it. So I, I, it's all it's all praise to Portugal. And I've just realised that I'm a massive hypocrite, by the way, because I support the Scarlets. And if the Scarlets started playing box kicking, Steve Borthwick style rugby, I'd be up in arms. So, you know, don't listen to what I say. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> mo- moving on to uh, Ender, your team, Ireland, didn't play this weekend. But Twitter is rife with conspiracy theories today about is there going to be some kind of Celtic pact between Scotland and Ireland to knock the box out? And uh, can you envisage any world in which Ireland lose this game? No, uh, and that's not cockiness. It's just based on Ireland's incredible form, based on Scotland's form, which has been the same for a couple of years now, which is just inconsistent. Um, When you look at Ireland's depth, Ireland's style of play, Ireland have virtually zero injuries, Sexton on form. There's no way, I, I really, really don't think... Uh, Ireland are going to spill, uh, slip up and I think Farrell is going to name his strongest side. He's absolutely not going to rotate. He might put Murray in because he's been playing really well. He might make one or two slight changes like that, but I reckon Sexton starts. I reckon it's the same front row. Well, bar Sheehan, Sheehan might get in there ahead of Keller after the, the maybe slow start that Ireland had uh, in terms of line out against the box. But yeah, I don't see it. It's as simple as that. Um, and I know probably, Hugh, you have a a similar thought on that because you, you yeah, you're not the biggest Scotland fan. Um, what do you think? I, uh, like, can, they, can they cause an upset, Scotland? Because it would uh, be an upset. I'm all about data-based decision-making and I haven't seen any data that suggests that Scotland can beat Ireland. And I don't mean just this year, I mean any year. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, Scotland. I think you're going to huff and puff, but I don't think you're going to blow Ireland out and uh, can you can you imagine if Gregor Townsend rang Andy Farrell how do you think that how do you think that conversation would go hey Andy I've got this idea about knocking the box out like I, I don't want to tell Andy Farrell that I've got a birthday present for him let alone suggests cheating to him oh my god can you imagine anyway how about you Jade what is there anyone in South Africa who is genuinely worried that the box might be going home I don't do think the fact that African guys playing for Scotland are worried that the box would go on. 
I don't think so. Um, you know, guys are asking and doing the, the maths in the cut, but I'm thinking Scotland's not playing against England or, sorry, you, Wales or something like that. They're playing against Ireland. Ireland tends to beat them every year. When was the last time Scotland beat Ireland? I just, yeah. Ireland, 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 Ireland gets a job. The last 20 years. Yeah, something like that. I mean, Scotland, they often they puff, but again, another World Cup where they won't be good enough. Uh, unfortunately, yes, they could have been a part of Group C and D and they would have made it, could have, should have. But unfortunately, Ireland and South Africa are the two better teams and they've been more consistent over the past four years. So, deservedly, I think, I don't think they'll beat um, Ireland. I think Ireland will make a statement. I don't. I would. Ireland would make a statement going to the quarterfinals and push the All Blacks back a little bit and keep them thinking. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Chase. Um, moving on then to Georgia and Fiji. Um, here, what do you think? Should Georgia be disappointed with their with their World Cup so far? I think so. I'm just going to load up our spreadsheet because this is a, an all tier two game. Although every time I I call Fiji tier two. It feels a bit silly given how how good they are. So can you guys see my screen? Yeah. 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 So as as again, my friend Francisco points out to me, Fiji are tier two because they don't have a seat at the big table, uh, whereas someone like Japan do. So arguably Japan shouldn't be on here. But yeah, Georgia, what can you say? Three games so far, zero wins. And there were some people picking them to get out of the group. Uh, I don't want to go too hard on them because they're still yet to play Wales. <laughs> so I don't want to sit here slagging them off and then they beat Wales uh, at the weekend. But I don't know, Jay, are you disappointed with what you've seen from Georgia so far? I spoke about it on Scoop on Sunday, actually, and I mentioned that you know, I'm actually really disappointed in Georgia. I expected more from them. Um, I expected more from them at scrum time. They don't look like the Georgia team I saw demolish the Wales scrum last year when they beat Wales. They don't look like that team. Um, I really expected more from them. We saw Georgia um, play against, I mean, in the under-20 championship as well, and we really thought that Georgian rugby is on the up, and they would fancy their chances being real dark horse in this group. Um, they haven't been. They, they've been poor. Unfortunately, they were unlucky on Saturday. I think, you know, there was a few goals that went against them. Um, however, they haven't been good. I mean, against Australia and Wales, uh, Australia and Portugal, they were they were very very poor below standard, doing things that not doing things that we would come accustomed to Georgia. I mean, we expect them to be strong, expect them to be strong at scrum time, you know, at um, set plays, at, at line out time, but they they weren't really that good um, in in the you know the set play game on Saturday. They tried to speed up the game a little bit, um, you know, and they tried to play a little bit of a more expansive game, they look better. Um, but yeah, I don't think a Georgia, any Georgian supporter would be happy with that against the below ball region outfit as well. Yeah, they seem to get a rush of blood to the head, don't they? I remember in the Australia game with Nini Ashvili when he made that break and then chucked the ball to fresh air. And then at the end of this game where the winger makes a break down the left-hand touchline and he's away and he's got men on his inside, he kicks it away and that's the end of the game whether that's mental mm-hmm. fatigue or something, but I think that those two games uh, and the Portugal game where they drew, they'll be looking back at them and thinking, how did we how did we blow that opportunity? But Enzo, what about Fiji, mate? Um, obviously, we've got our Fijian fans. How, we 
we've got to assume that they've got a very good chance of getting out of the pool now. They only need one match point from their game against Portugal to uh, get out of the pool. They kept Georgia trialless, and VG don't tend to keep people trialless. So that's, a, a, on the one hand, a very good effort from them. If they do get out of the pool, mate, how do you think they'll get on? Well, it's more than likely they'll be facing, isn't that right? That is correct. That's what we're thinking. That's what the probability is. That I am quite nervous. I do think they can do it. I do think they can beat England. I do. But there's something worrying me now about England and just building. And they're, the media seems to be getting back behind the English side as well, which I hate. Like I loved the chaos <laughs> of Jones getting let go. And then the, the poor start on the board like, it was so interesting. But now that they're doing well, um, I'm just starting to get nervous because their their confidence is building. They play a god awful brand of rugby, but it's really effective, and they seem to be getting better at it. And if if, if I am a bit worried that if, if Fiji play like they did in the weekend, that they could slip up against them, and maybe start you know throwing those 50-50 passes, forcing the offload. Um, I just think if they play like they did at the beginning of this tournament, they play that mature game plan. I think they can get through them, but I'm I'm incredibly nervous now um, with England. I don't know what it is. Like it's not as if their their performance has been excellent. I just think you know with Farrell back now and everything uh, and their confidence building, I could just yeah I could see them beating them. But we are a tier two uh, pod, so let's say that, that that Fiji can definitely do it. They can definitely get to to a semis, and then God knows what. I think every neutral fan of this World Cup uh, would be delighted to see Fiji do well, especially you, Jade. Um, remember you calling them out I am um, on scoop saying how, how good they were going to do at this World Cup and you got into a couple of arguments about it but it's I always <laughs> think about that when I, like when 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 that was yeah when, when it looked like I might have gone against them on the weekend I was thinking about you but they they you know they did pull a performance out of the bag towards the end and got through it but yeah let's say that I think they can, they can definitely make the, the semis I'm not sure if they'd make it uh, past that but yeah but I'm also at the same time very nervous about about England. Yeah, well, put it this way. Talking of English media, Henry Arundel is currently the World Cup's top try scorer. Can you imagine if that stayed, stays the same way? Oh my God, the, the media hype. It's already ridiculous for this guy who's had a pretty turgid test match. What's the report? Seven. Seven at a tournament, right? I think it's seven or eight at a tournament. I think it's, it's probably Brian Habana's got the record, I'm guessing. I think it's seven. I think Jonah had six and he had seven. So imagine this guy gets another three tries somewhere and breaks Branovana's record. The all five <laughs> of those tries came against Chile. That's all I'm saying. Right. There's a, in, in English football, there's something they call the Wayne Rooney effect, which is where someone stat pads their goal contributions against like Macedonia and San Marino, and then it gets to a major tournament and in the big games and does nothing. Anyway, let's not <laughs> let's not get distracted. Um, so yeah, speaking of teams that will be disappointed with how their World Cup has gone, let's now look at Japan versus Samoa. So I want to talk about Samoa. Samoa have won one game. They lost one by nine points and they lost one by seven points. They've scored a decent number of tries in every game, and yet they've gone out. They were Bookies' favourites to win every game apart from the Argentina game. And now they've basically got a dead rubber to finish their World Cup against England. Jade, are you disappointed by Samoa? Do you think that they will be 
a bit like Georgia looking back at this pool and thinking, how have we not done more here? I said a few months ago that I think the tournament comes a year too soon for Tonga and Samoa. Um, I don't think to take Kefu and Mapusua are the ideal coaches, you know, to take these, what the group of players they have and to take them forward. I don't think they really have that experience, you know, at, at international level. Maybe they needed somebody else in there. I mean, they did bring in Tano or Manga, but I mean, he doesn't really have that international coaching experience. He has that franchise level, but not at, at international level. I don't, I'm, I'm really disappointed in Samoa. Um, not so much the results, but more the style of play. It's been appalling. It's been, you know, um, one-dimensional, um, running through players instead of looking for flair. Um, I spoke on Scoop and I said that, Although Moana Pacifica was maybe the weakest team at Super Rugby, or you could call them ending the no, the wooden spooners, but they played in a really tough pool and a tough conference against New Zealand teams every week. And they scored a fair, share, fair, fair amount of tries in those games. You know, they they would still get tries in those games, but the Samoan team does not know how to attack. Um, everything is one-dimensional. I mean, there was a few players like... Uh, for example, Mariko Failagi, the sixth flank from Moana Pacifica, who was lighting up the tournament. His stats were up there, but he hardly got a look into this team. Um, Theo McFarlane, all of those big-name guys, has really been a letdown. It's been individual performances from Samoa. It hasn't been a team performance. We haven't even seen Lima Sapawanga at this tournament, um, yeah. just a good example. Um, I mean, if you look at the decisions they make on the field, um, they, they have no discipline. Uh, look at Ben Lamb's tackle against Japan. Um, you, we, you just get somebody at a close call for a red card and you go and do the same thing uh, that your opposition did. So it's it's terrible. I don't know where the discipline is. I think, you know, the the, the, the philosophy of taking a bunch of square pegs and putting it in round holes or the other way around, but that's what they did with the team. There was no... It's, it's a bunch of stars. They took Jordan Tafua, Fritz Lee, all of them, but they're all similar type of players. There's no flair in this team. There's, there's really no flair. There's, they, they broke away from, you know, what they've been doing in Super Rugby. Yeah, I heard Scoop, uh, not Scoop, sorry, Squidge saying on his podcast about how they're, they're playing Duncan Payawa at 15 and he has been one of their very better players, but would they be better off? with uh, Leila Fano at 10 and Sopoango at 15. It, it is weird that we've not seen Sopoango. I don't know if something's gone on behind the scenes. But if you look at the stats from this game, uh, for audio listeners, uh, if you check out the YouTube, you'll see uh, all the stats, graphics and everything from World Rugby. That Samoa had the better of all the stats in this game. You can see like where it's highlighted here. Every single stat, Samoa had the better of it. And that, that continues for most of it. And if you look at some of the individual performances as well, it's the same story. And I think if I look at the the score chart here, the, Samoa did everything they need to win, they needed to do to win the game, but they didn't win it. And it will be it was kind of the same story against Argentina as well. It's like how, how did they lose it? They just their heads went or they had a knock on or something in a in a in a bad moment. Their their efficiency in the 22 is had 1.9 points for uh, average. Um, in 22 visit from 10 entries and uh, you can see their attacking stats here that it's just the line breaks and things they were just messing it up basically like I said they had with the possession they had the territory they had the ideas I don't know whether they needed some fresh coaching ideas or or 
or what. But uh, for me, Samoa, uh, I've got to be disappointed with how this World Cup has gone. Uh, I will just say one player that has gone well for them. I know, um, Jade, you mentioned Miracle uh, Firelagi. I would say that Fritz Lee has possibly been one of the hidden gems of the tournament. He, um, his turnover stats and things, he's going to be the seven perhaps with the most turnovers. Um, he, he has been a real strength for them in, in, a, in every single game. But if you look, again, if you look at tackles attempted here, when I talk about Samoa having all the reasons, see all the top tacklers, all Japanese. How many is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The top 12 tacklers in the game were all Japanese. They had seven players into double figures for number of tackles, and Samoa have lost the game. I will say that from the Jap Jap Japanese side, we're being very Samoa-centric, from Japanese side, um, their number 10, is it Matsuda? Oh, why don't I just look him up on the side here? Yeah, Matsuda, he has mm -hmm. been a difference for them. He he has been the guy who has turned tight games into victories with his goal kicking, his game management. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he his career does. And his goal kicking has been excellent. If we go back to the other chart uh, and focus on Japan here, you can see the, these numbers that he's putting up in terms of goal kicking. This is something that so many tier two teams don't have, and it's made a huge difference. And he's put them in a, with, with a shout. So if they beat Argentina, who have really flattered to deceive, um, they're in with a shout of getting out the pool now. And I think he's been a huge part of that. Anyway, um, just running a little bit short on time. So I'll just very quickly touch on Uruguay versus Namibia. Um, so interesting stat from this game, which I don't have on the screen. They kicked exactly the same number of meters. They kicked 646 meters from hand. Um, both teams exactly the same, which is a very rare stat. Um, the two 14s tops the attacking stats. So both wingers were kind of doing all of the exciting things for them. And then the centers were doing a lot of tackles. Now, maybe this is something I'll look at post World Cup is that for these tier two teams, you see that the top tacklers are often the inside and outside centers, whereas for the tier one teams, it's nearly always a flanker. So I'll, I'll, I'll dig into that and see if there's any kind of rhyme or reason to that, but it's just something a bit interesting that I noticed. And the last thing I'll say is Uruguay have turned the set piece around. Uh, their set piece was a real problem for them against France. And then in this game, it was very nearly 100%. I think it was all scrums and all but one lineouts. They won. So that shows real progress within the tournament. Anyway, uh, that brings to the end of those game reviews. Uh, Endermate, what are we on next? Are we on fantasy previews? We are indeed, and I'm stuck for time this evening, unfortunately. But what we can do is we can go through it, and I'll just drop off, and you guys can continue the conversation if you want, or would you like to go through the, the Tier 2 roundup? I don't want to cut the conversation uh, short. Uh, well, we don't. Uh, so let's do fantasy. Let's not do predictions. Uh, we'll put out our predictions on socials um cool. just for the uh fantasy team i need two new props and a loose forward so ender could you pick me a loose forward to bring into the fantasy team this weekend kaylin doris kaylin doris he's going to be expensive but yeah he's playing against we've got Scotland. money to burn we've got money to burn mate and then jade i need two props nah they're low mix And I would also go Fijian prop, um, any Fijian prop that's starting. I think we'll get points this weekend. Uh, we'll I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 
Former Dragons player, Doge. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll check when the team's out. Okay, yeah. right. Tier two roundup then, mate. Great stuff. Um, so let's have a look. So the first thing I guess we have to mention is um, the English Premiership Cup did continue. Um, unfortunately, though, that the news was dominated by Jersey. Yeah, essentially going bankrupt. And um, yeah, their their major backer pulled out, and that's that's yeah, the end of that just, for for them, so which is really sad. So a bit of finger pointing gone on in English rugby this week because the RFU said, well, your backer pulled out and then the champion, not only Jersey, but also the championship themselves, the head of the championship has come out and said, we told the RFU that this might happen. The uh, the backers can't sit there and just keep pouring their money in for nothing. You promised a new structure for the championship and then it hasn't happened. Now, just a reminder of everybody, Jersey won the championship last year. They beat Ealing and everyone's excited about Ealing. and Jersey beat Bath the other week so Jersey was still on the up and they were still a good team and now the, the uh, director of rugby or the head coaches come out and says we now have players who are from South Africa or somewhere in the southern hemisphere they don't have a job now and they can't afford to get home so people who don't know geography Jersey is a channel island it's a small island in the English channel that goes between England and France the, there are players now stuck there because this this club has gone bust the RFU funding to championship clubs is 160k a year like they put on a swanky dinner that they posted all over their socials the other day that probably cost that much or at least the people in that room probably could have had a whip round and give, come up with that much because you know these kind of people it's just ridiculous four clubs in 12 months in england gone bust four professional clubs gone bust in 12 months don't know where that's going anyway to wrap up what else happened um Saints and Bath played out an entertaining game, uh, 43-42 to Saints. Uh, big comeback. Bath had a good lead at halftime and blew it, unfortunately. And then Coventry uh, drew with Nottingham, 33-all. So that was a good one. Uh, women's internationals. So I would have liked to start with this, but we had the news about Jersey. But the women's internationals, uh, England and Wales got comfortable wins over Canada and USA, uh, respectively. Butchers was back for Wales after a long time out with a bad injury she got in the Six Nations a couple of years ago. And uh, Sevens legends Jasmine Joyce came back for Wales as well. So she's now back in, in the 15s team. Uh, meanwhile, New Zealand beat Australia 43-3. Uh, Spain beat, sorry, Scotland beat Spain 46-5. And Japan beat Italy in the women's uh, game, which I don't know if people were expecting or not. It, obviously, Italy being a Six Nations team. But yeah, 25-24, uh, very close game. Uh, it's uh, Japan made hay with four quickfire tries late in the first half and Italy never came back. So can't wait for the women's uh, XV. Pro de deux, going through this quickly. Tafts abroad, Grenoble won again. Uh, Sam Davis is dragging that team back up to mid-table uh, in the pro de deux. Uh, and Tyler Morgan scored bit for Beeritz as they came back to win as well. Uh, Vaughn is still top with Provence three points behind. Uh, Ender, mate, what about NPC? What's been going on there? Well, first of all, yeah, the, the quarterfinals are coming up um, this coming weekend, which is important to note. So all games are thankfully going to be uh, televised, which is great. Uh, but this past weekend, uh, Wellington lost for the first time this year as Hawks Bay took them 20-18 to 18 with a last-minute try. Um, they stay top of the table while South and got off the mark finally with the win away at Manawatu. Um, in terms um, of the... We just have to, sorry, we just have to note, Jade's pointed out to us before we start recording, there was a bit of a mishap in the NPC this weekend. 
Yeah, so it was the first time that Wellington's lost the shield, the Rampery shield, in two years. Walkspace won it, so they get to keep it. Uh, it was one of the most prized possessions in New Zealand rugby, and Walkspace dropped the shield. That's over 100 years old, the shield split in two. <laughs> so they've been armed. Uh, I think Falau Fakatawa was the guilty corporate that dropped the shield. So, yeah, Jay's a little bit, they're not happy in New Zealand in terms of that. It's got kind of big on social media down under. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in terms of the, the Welsh Premiership, uh, Landovery uh, continue their 100% start with the win in a repeat of last year's final with Cardiff um, or GC are having a bad start to the season with no wins from three. And in terms of the Super Series, um, Ayrshire, uh, Ayrshire, I should say, uh, take top spot after a 45-17 win over Sterling Mobs. And Future 15 showed improvement, but still lost 35-31 to the Southern Knights. And I think folks, we're going to run out of time to go through the TV guide for this coming weekend, but we will share that on our socials. Um, but I just wanted to say a massive, massive thank you to Jade for, for joining us. Um, hopefully you'll want to come back at another stage, but yeah, you've been brilliant. Thanks, guys. Uh, really Thanks appreciate it. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you on again and if you're for it. I just wanted to say, you know, it's been difficult for me being a New Zealand supporter in South Africa to find a URC team. Um, I'm a monster supporter now, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our friend Kaylin will be happy with that. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. Okay, cheers, guys. Have a good week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.